When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Monday, July 17th, 2023. And yes, while I'm away, I'm really still here in your ear because I work with people at Metal Arc and my producer, Matthew Coca. Shout out to Danny there in the control and the multiple Dannys I'm shouting out because we've got shows for you just about every day that I'm not here. All sorts of things, mailbags, sit downs. And we start today with a recap and a look ahead. So if you're not interested in the baseball season, press fast forward. Just kidding, don't do that. We make it fun. This is a baseball show, culture, all sports, entertainment, everything. You're gonna read a lot about the second half of the season that started on Friday. The All-Star break's over. We're heading in the push toward the trade deadline. Teams have played about 90 games which means they've played more than a half a season. I started this campaign. When did we start at Coca? Maybe when we first started the show. It's not called the first half and the second half. It's called pre-All-Star break and post-All-Star break. To me, a half is 81 games. You play 90 games. We're into the second half. As a matter of fact, we're 10% done with the second half. So what were the top stories of the first half? <laughs> I'm kidding. The top stories pre-All-Star break. What's going on in the world of baseball? I like the business side. I like explaining what's going on behind closed doors with the commissioner and with owners. There is an issue with payroll disparity that we talk about. There's an issue with competitive balance that we're always fighting. It's always the same teams, the Dodgers, the Yankees. You got to have a big payroll or you can't win. That is a narrative that baseball likes to promulgate because that gives baseball an opportunity to say to the union, look, the current economic system that we have doesn't work. We're going to have to make adjustments. And then a season like this comes along, which throws everything on its arse. The New York Metropolitans stink. The San Diego Padres, pathetic. The St. Louis Cardinals, Dunsky. What do they have in common? The New York Mets are the top payroll in baseball. They've got to be the biggest story of the first part of this season. Steve Cohn had to give a press conference, that awkward press conference in front of a cocktail table where he said, we're good, don't worry. Billy Epler having to tell you that Buck Showalter's good, but Steve Cohen having to tell you that Billy Epler is going to have someone above him as soon as possible. Every single person in baseball is happy the Mets aren't winning games, and that's a big-time story. 
because the owners get to look at the players and say, look, you got yourself a benevolent dictator. Here's Stephen Cohn willing to spend money hand over fist, bad signing after bad signing, lack of performance after lack of performance, underperformance upon underperformance. And what does it get him? Nothing but a big bag of frustration. In walks Peter Seiler and says, hold my beer. You think you're having a tough time, Stevie boy? What about me in San Diego trying to pretend I'm L.A., trying to pretend I'm a big market, telling you I'm going to win the West, having you predict I'm going to win the West, not me, having everybody predict they're going to win the West, and then boom, stink. The Padres are an example of $246 million payroll. They're trying to claw their way back to 500, figure out a way to get into the season with all the players saying the same thing. Oh, we're about to get hot. I want to send them a DVD of the 2005 Marlins season, the about to get hot portion of the season, which started in April and went through September. And then while we were packing our crap, having not made the playoffs, it was, oh, I thought that we would have gotten hot. Wait, no, no, now we'll get hot. Dude, we have no more games left. We're trading all of you. The first major roster reconstruction, code word. <laughs> I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say the word. I'm not allowed to say the word. It's a George Carlin word. The seven things you can't say on radio. I will not say the word that starts with F and ends with E. Not doing it. I've never done it. Won't do it. We're gaining payroll flexibility, gentlemen. Pack your backs. The Padres do this all the time. They're full Eddie Murphy. They want to party all the time, party all the time, sign everybody, and then wonder why they can't get it together. It's a big story. What are they going to do? If you're Peter Seiler, you're doubling down, you're tripling down, you cannot let a season go to waste. You can't Steve Conan and say, oh, we have so much money that we can sell at the deadline and buy at the same time and still be in the market for free agents. Peter Seidler is not Steve Cohn. Peter Seidler can say all he wants that he's Steve Cohn. No, no, no. The losses are similar. New York is not San Diego. And they're going to learn. And all of them are in a room saying, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. And then in comes Bill DeWitt. Bill DeWitt and his son, owner and president of the team. They walk into the room and say, hey, we're the Cardinals. We're the real disaster here. The rest of you are just pretending that you're failing. We define failure. The Cardinals always win every year. God, do I hate them. Win, win, win. Second only to the Tampa Bay Rays in my department of jealousy. And this year... It's come back to haunt him. Yachty Molina goes away. Boom. Adam Wainwright stays. Double boom. Two bad things that happened. Turns out you can't put a lot of stars together and have it work every single year. Turns out that what Brian Cashman does with the Yankees, where they make it, or the Dodgers, where they make it year after year after year, it's way harder than you think. The Cardinals have been such a successful franchise. 
I will not put them in the same category as the Mets and the Padres. Won't do it. They have too many World Series, too many playoff appearances, too much roster turnover where they did not lose their winning ways, forgetting the level of skill in their division, the level of competition in their division. But what the way they've come out with their $161 million and the way they have just stunk, you've got to be thinking to yourself, if you're Ali, Ali Marmol, the manager, that I'm on the hot seat. We'll get to that later a little bit, Coca. I, I, I think that you all know that managers on the hot seat, they know they're on the hot seat because they pretend they don't read anything, but they see everything. And they've got people in their lives who tell them everything. We would ignore it when we'd read a rumor about Mike Redman. We're not going to sit down with him and say, hey, don't ignore that. Don't worry about it because the rumors come from somewhere. And the rumors come from the fact that, hey, a managerial change may be forthcoming. It's not like the hot seat gets invented. So MLB is dealing with these big salaries, all of these teams that are not doing well. And conversely, all of these teams with lower salaries are having a hell of a season. The Reds, the Marlins, the Orioles, the Rays. It makes me so happy to think of Tony Clark and the rest of the Players Union sitting inside a log cabin, taking a little vacation, looking at the standings, getting it up on their device, and turning their head exactly 180 degrees putting their head where their feet should be and looking at the standings and saying, ah, this makes sense. Because when they look at the standings straight away, the teams with the low payroll in first place in the division or in the wild card position is the nightmare for the union because owners look at the standings askance and they say to their GM, dude, I can't say that because of Kim Hank. They look at their GM and they say, excuse me, we need to do better. To not credit what the Orioles, Rays, Reds, and Marlins have done would be a mistake. It's really hard to build a winner. The Cincinnati Reds, you were all making fun of the Reds. Nobody going to Great American Ballpark. They signed Votto, but now he doesn't play well and he's hurt. They've been perpetually rebuilding. The Orioles are a laughingstock. The Marlins are no made the playoffs except 2020. All it took for the Marlins to be good was to get rid of Sampson and Jeter. Put those two together, boom, we got ourselves a wild card winning team. Cincinnati Reds through their rebuild, opening their window with young players coming like De La Cruz and young players making a difference. The Orioles have a prospect train that the Astros would be jealous of. The way the Orioles have built their team, this is what the Astros did that has led them to two World Series and four World Series appearances. Five straight champ ALCS appearances. Is that right, Coca? Five, six? This amazing record they came on the heels of losing 100 games three straight years when the Astros were bad. Sometimes it works. The tanking, the losing, and fans then forget about it. It's why when you're in the front office, you can't be a fan. Because then you sign Edwin Jackson in the middle of a rebuild. Look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. 
So what'll be interesting to me is whether or not this can hold. The season tends to be the great equalizer, 162 games over 185 hard-fought days. Exhaustion, despair. The Astros have been to six straight league championship series and four World Series. There is not an impossible world. That's too many negatives. Four, eight, 69. I see a world where the Orioles become the next Astros. That's how good that team is. They've got ownership issues, God knows. Infighting. But the talent on the Orioles, did you watch last week the All-Star game? How about having Batista and Cano at the end of your bullpen? How about having a catcher out of central casting? And they keep coming every day. But 162 games, it's rough. I don't think the standings will stay as the standings are, though Jason Stark would tell me when the standings are the way they are, that's how they stay. He's got the stats on Memorial Day, July 4th, Labor Day. The change is not as significant as you would think. Is it possible the Mets and Padres can turn around? I don't think so. Is it possible the Reds can hang on? I don't know. I don't think so. Is it possible the Marlins will run away with the number one wild card? No, I don't think so. Possible. The Orioles, who've had five straight losing seasons during their rebuild, they lost 108 games or more three times. Now they are crushing ahead of the Yankees, ahead of the Blue Jays, ahead of the Orioles. Evergreen alert, evergreen alert. Ahead of everybody but the Rays, evergreen alert. It occurs to me that they may be for real. So you've got the Cardinals, you've got the Padres, you've got the Mets. They're all in a room. They're all sort of despondent saying, I'm the story. No, I'm the story. No, I'm the story. Check, check, check. In come the Marlins saying, give me a little attention. The Orioles say the same thing. Finally, Stop talking about Angelos and family suit lawsuits. Talk about our team. In comes Dela Cruz. Hey, I'll steal the show from you all if you don't make it about me. So everyone's competing. And all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door. And in comes Shohei Otani. The room goes silent. People scurrying out like cockroaches when the light turns on in the basement of a New York tenement building. Otani walks in the room and says, I am your captain now. You want to know what the top story is from the first pre-All-Star break part of the Major League Baseball season? You look no further than Shohei Otani. I don't want to hear one Aaron Judge word from anybody. I don't want to hear one word about any other player. Acuna, phenomenal MVP candidate, will win the MVP in the National League. Preseason pick, alert. What Shohei Otani is doing has never been seen. There is no comparison. You cannot give me a lower on our show or a graph First time since Babe Ruth to do 10 hits in 20 games and hold runners to zero stolen bases and an average of 126. Average against. No, don't want to do it. 
Don't give me the analytics. Don't give me the stats. What I will give you instead, and what I want you to give me, is a full Jerry Maguire. Show me the money. Show me the money, Jerry. Show me the money. If only I had that. If we had more people working on the show, Coca, we could have that in Japanese right now. Right now, it would be on the show. Show, hey, Otani. The reason why he's the story is not that he's having the best three-year stretch. And I, and this is not hyperbole. The best three-year stretch of any baseball player's three-year stretches in the history of the game. And there's been some great stretches by Hall of Fame players. This three-year stretch, um, three-year stretch by Otani. Do you want to make that better, Koga? 12-90-69. This three-year stretch by Shohei Otani is the best in Major League Baseball history. The fact that it comes on the heels of his free agency, the fact that the biggest story is, will the Angels trade Otani? Will Evergreen Alert? Will the Angels make the playoffs? They've never made the playoffs with Otani. He's not played a playoff game. Will he re-sign with the Angels, given that he hates to lose? Will he go to the Dodgers, having been seduced by the fans of Seattle? Will he choose Seattle instead? Will Steve Cohn go, come on, knock on my door? I've been waiting for you. Here's a billion dollars. Come join our company, too. Do, 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 do. He could do it. How about that? How about a 10-year, $100 million a year deal? Why not? You laugh. Steve Cohn buys businesses in his hedge funds, a million here, a billion there. When you see a piece of art, Shohei Otani is that piece of art. You think you're overpaying for it, you're underpaying for it. The benefit to Steve Cohn of winning a World Series, of getting two players like Shohei Otani as the hitter and the pitcher for his team is far greater than the cost of the contract. What's the problem with that plan? 29 other owners telling Steve Cohn to stick it. Steve Cohn does not want to turn into Danny Snyder. Steve Cohn does not want to have to worry about being run out of the league. Steve Cohn had enough issues getting approved. Now that he's been approved, he's done enough to piss off the other owners with the way he has acted financially. Shohei Otani will not be part of the Mets equation. But boy, are they going to be tempted. And it is the top story. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Now, what do you think will be the top stories after the All-Star break? There's a whole empty room right now. The first person to walk in the room of the second half story is your New York Yankees. Here comes Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone saying, look, Josh Donaldson is going to hit 170. John Carlos Stanton will be back to hitting 270. Aaron Judge will be back on the field. We are going to win. We'll make the playoffs, and then Carlos Rodon will back up Severino, who will back up Cole. We may get Nasty Nestor back. Look at our perfect game guy, Domingo Herman. We're good. Who's buying it? Raise your hand if you're sure that the Yankees are going to make the playoffs. Raise it. But you better be sure. I'm not. That's going to be a story. While the Yankees, with the second highest payroll in the game, are continuing to build revenue, continuing to figure out ways to differentiate themselves, whether it's streaming revenue revenue through their app on Yes, whether it's through jersey patches where they can get 20 to 25 million bucks a year for a jersey patch, I can hardly contain my disdain for the ability to raise that level of revenue for a jersey patch. Spoiler alert, ADT ain't paying the Marlins 20 to 25 large. So the Yankees walk in and say, we're going to be the story right now. Hey, who's that behind you? Who's that? Who's that girl? It's the Philadelphia Phillies. This is a great, Post-All-Star break story. The defending, reigning, not defending Coke, I changed it, the reigning National League pennant winners. Looking up in the standings at the fight and fish, never going to alert, trying to figure out how they get back when they've got Harper, who may be hurt. They've got Nola and Wheeler underperforming. They've got the inability to capture the post-Girardi heaven that they got last year. Lest you forget what happened last year. They fired Girardi and went, now we can actually breathe again. We're going to play well together. We're going to win. We love you, coach manager Robbie Thompson. And they won the pennant. That moment for them is not coming In the post-All-Star break world, they're going to have to find motivation from within. They're going to have to figure out 
how to do it. So they come into the room on tiptoes, like I'm picturing on the ballet shoes, which give your kids terrible feet problems, toe problems, ankle problems, menstrual problems, nightmare, black swan type of stuff. They crawl into the room and say, I think we're a big story, but shh, don't tell anyone. And then quickly behind, pushing open the door, are the Atlanta Braves and the Tampa Bay Rays. You're going to talk about the second part of the season and not mention that we're the two best teams and that the Braves are an absolute juggernaut and that the Braves have everything from pitching to hitting to bullpen to starters to position players to defense to offense to depth. There's not one hole in the Atlanta Braves. Oh, and when there is, they can bring in Rosario, Soler, and Duvall. Call back to what they did in the trade deadline when they won the World Series in 21. The Braves want everyone out of the room of second part of the season stories because if they happen to win the World Series again, two out of three years, you're starting the D-word talk. They just finished a stretch where they played the Rays and crushed them before the All-Star break. Rays walked in. Marlins walked in feeling good, got swept. Everyone goes to play the Braves and walks out not feeling quite as good about themselves as they did on the way in. That power is intoxicating. It feeds the competitive beast. I love that. Come here. Come here, little brother. You think you're a good team? Come here, little Tampa. Come here, Miami. You guys are so cute. Oh, let me pet you and then sweep you. Bye-bye. The room is empty because the Braves have taken it, as they should. I picture the Rays as the sort of sitting in the chair in the corner in the room. They're to be talked about. They could win the American League East. They could get to the World Series. Frankly, they could win the World Series. There's a couple pitching injuries. But everyone just ignores them. Sitting in the corner of the room saying, hey, what about me? Look at my tie-dyed shirt and my little fish on the front. Everyone is hanging out, putting some shrimps on the bobby. They've got marshmallows and chocolate. Then there's a knock on the door for the room for the post-All-Star break. Biggest stories. And we look out and the door opens and it's not even a person. It's an idea. It's a concept. The trade deadline is here. I will be the person who defines who's the biggest story. I will be the final arbiter of whether you have a good owner or a good GM or a good team. When August 1st at 6 o'clock comes, Incidentally, we'll be live on the air at the end of the trade deadline with nothing personal. But when six o'clock comes on August 1st, I will tell you who is for real, who is not for real, and who's pretending to be something they're not. Tampa, get out of the room. Atlanta, see you later. Phillies, don't think so. Shohei, you can stay. You can stay. Everybody else out.
on the trade deadline. So who's going where? Think San Diego would ever trade Josh Hader? Hell yeah. It doesn't mean that you're giving up on the season to trade Josh Hader. The Brewers traded Josh Hader. They weren't giving up on the season. The players gave up on them. Padres lose Josh Hader. Are the players going to give up? Soto won't. He's going for the money. Tatis won't. He's going for redemption. Machado won't because he's Machado. Not going to give up. Hader's got one year left till free agency. He's going to be a free agent. Why wouldn't you trade him? Oh, we need him. We got a chance. What about Marcus Stroman? What are the Cubs doing? I hear from a lot of Cubs fans. Hey, uh, what do you think we're going to do? Are we going to buy? Are we going to sell? We're right in it. The division's there for the taking. That's what everyone says who's below 500, but only six or seven games out to make yourself feel better about yourself. Hey, the division's there for the taking. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. The division is not there for the Cubs taking. As a matter of fact, Coca, you can book this. It's too stupid to be a wait to see. The Cubs are not winning the division. Are we good? Done with that. Next. Marcus Stroman did a whole gimmick about a month ago. Hey, the Cubs haven't called me. They haven't negotiated with me. Woe's me. I'm having the best year of my life. Why aren't they coming to me with a four-year, $120 million deal? Oh, because that would be an overpay. Well, why aren't they coming to me with any offer? Well, because... You're at the height of your performance right now. Seems a little silly to make any offer right now, Marcus, doesn't it? Because if we make you the offer that we should make you, which is 34 for two, you're going to go poo-poo. Even the qualifying offer times two. You can't even get a qualifying offer because you got a qualifying offer. Now you don't get another qualifying offer, but the qualifying offer number will be, let's say, $19 million. All right, 38 for two. And you'll say poo-poo. That's why there's no deal yet. And if you're the Cubs, sayonara. Your season is not happening for you this year. Trade Stroman, competing teams need starting pitching. The trade deadline in the room looks and says, Marcus, you're being traded. Josh Hader, not so sure, but I think so. Shohei, nope. As much as I think the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles should trade Shohei Otani. I'm going to stay on record in the way that I stay on record about the Oakland A's not moving to Vegas and that move not being finished. I am going to die on this hill that the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles owned by Moreno of Artie will not trade Otani even though it is the right thing to do. The Angels cannot and will not make the playoffs. It will be another year of wasted opportunity. Another year where baseball cannot showcase Trout or Otani in October. Another year of total despondency when they're cutting videos and they can't include the face of baseball who has become Shohei Otani. You really think for one minute that Artie Moreno is going to hand that type of player over to a competitor? and then watch that competitor win with Otani when he couldn't? Owners don't like that. There's a level of ego at play here, don't forget. And sometimes the ego gets in the way of actually running the team the way you're supposed to. The ego gets in the way of your decision-making process. You should do this at home, actually, if you don't mind. I often ask you to write things down 
I'm asking you to do it again. During the course of a day or two, when you're thinking about the decisions you're making and the things you're doing, write down when your ego gets in the way of you making the right decision, when you stand on ceremony, when you say that this is a principal position I have, I am not going to go out tonight, whatever the case may be. And it's all your ego doing it. Just write it down for fun. You'll read a lot about MVPs. Don't. It's over. Otani's the MVP of the American League. Acuna's the MVP of the National League. What you're not going to read about is the predictions made by Samson before the season started, where I had Acuna winning the MVP and Otani winning the MVP of the American League. Is it possible that I will go two for two in those future bets? It almost seems impossible to believe because it's hard to do. I mean, can you imagine if Framber Valdez wins the Cy Young for the Astros? Can't be because I had him too. Three for three? All right, here's my four for four. Ladies and gentlemen, your National League Cy Young Award winner, Maxwell Freed. Uh, straight loser. Zach Gallon's got a chance. Strider's got a chance with Atlanta. Max Freed does not have a chance. He got hurt. Isn't he the one, Coca? Did he not get hurt opening day, covering first, and he did something to his Achilles? Or was it his second start? I remember it was very early in the season, which seems like about a year ago. And I'm not sure Max Freed ever came back. He can't win the Cy Young. What about managers getting fired? That's always a good topic. It's already July 17th, Evergreen Alert, and no manager's yet been fired. Evergreen Alert. Who would be the first to get fired? Aaron Boone? Not happening. I still think he may get fired if the Yankees don't make the playoffs. Craig Council, the Brewers? Nope, not happening. His seat is warm, but they're competing with the Reds. David Bell's seat was warm now. They got Ellie De La Cruz. It cooled off a little bit. Buck Showalter, hot seat? Nope, nope. Steve Cohn said not a hot seat. Believe me, that seat's hot. You ever sat in a seat, but you just sort of let your tushy melt into it, and then you feel like, ooh, it's a little hotter than I expected. Let me do left cheek up, then down. Right cheek up and down. That's what you do. That's what Showalter's doing in the dugout. What about Ollie Marmel? Told you we'd get back to him, and we are. Very, very, very hot. So hot. So, so, so bad. It's going to be very hard for him to survive this season. Of course, John Mazeliak could take the blame himself for the Cardinals. But why take the blame yourself when you can fire somebody? And that leads me to the number one candidate of the manager to be on the hot seat. Pedro Grafal hired in a great moment of diversity hiring. And this guy got a chance. This is the best hire ever. The White Sox moving on from La Russa, bringing in the perfect person for the team. And the White Sox have been yet again a problem. And Kenny Williams is not going to say it's his fault. Neither is Rick Hahn. Neither is Jerry Reinsdorf. Guess what? If the switch from La Russa didn't help, it means we didn't switch to the right person. So that, to me, is the number one case. The White Sox, should they not improve? And I didn't see him in any room of improvement. No room for improvement or in improvement. Ooh, I love that alliteration. There may go a full season without a manager being fired, but there will not go a full offseason. No, as a matter of fact, Coca, I'd be willing to wager that since 2000, uh, 
actually the offseason of 99. That started in 99. There's no way to actually check this. Well, there's always a way, but we don't have time right now. I do not believe there's ever been a season where 30 managers started the season and 30 managers started the next season. The same 30. I would be shocked if that existed. So we're going to go through the second half of the season. I did that. You're right, Coco. Okay, 12, 9, 6. We're going to go through the second part of the season post-All-Star break. And before you know it, we are going to be in the off-season. Now, the end of the season is a World Series. That's when the season ends. That marks the beginning of free agency, like five days later. The off-season starts. The off-season calendar starts. I think I had the Astros over the Braves in the World Series. We'll see if that happens. I happen to think that that World Series could still happen, though I think the Braves are likely to win, but you never know. But when this off-season comes, what you think will be a calm off-season is going to be a frenzy of content and activity. And when I say frenzy, just Otani alone will suck up the air of the off-season because he's not going to sign an extension with the Angels before becoming a free agent. While he's been tampered with by everybody, he's not going to agree with anybody until after the season ends. So the Otani watch. The Otani watch is going to be magnificent. Teams will be coming up with videos and celebrities and fans and giveaways saying how much we want him. None of it will matter, but it will be the number, the absolute number one top story of the offseason. Number two, biggest story of the offseason is going to be the Oakland A's. The epic struggle of the Oakland A's to figure out what they're going to do. Are they staying in Oakland? Are they going to Vegas? How's it going to work? Where are they going to play? Blah, blah, blah. We've heard it all before. It's not going to end before this offseason, but it will end during the offseason. You're going to have to hear more about it. You're also going to have to hear more off the field about the RSN bankruptcies. What's going on with Diamond and Bally's? What's going on with teams trying to start their own streaming networks, trying to figure out how to get people to pay them for that content? Big story of this season was who got paid what, when, where, and how. Who's in violation? Turns out right now it's only the Padres who have been taken over by Major League Baseball. But what will happen going into the next full season, that remains to be seen and will be a source of big discussion because it will impact payrolls. But the end of the offseason and the top storylines is really about the fact that owners are fighting with owners and owners are fighting with players in a way that you don't want to see this soon after you have labor peace. Players continue to believe that they are not paid a percentage of revenue that they deserve. Owners continue to say they are paid more than what they should be paid, causing losses operationally for the teams. Players say, horse hockey, you're not losing money. Stop pretending you are and pay us more. Owners, I promise you, I want to win. I want to pay you more. Don't have it, can't do it, only till I sell, not selling. Rob Manford in the middle. 
trying to do a bait and switch, trying to deflect you from the actual infighting that's going on between owners and trying to deflect you away from the actual fighting that's going on in labor right now. Talks to you about ways the game is better, things on the field with occasional references, occasional references to competitive imbalance and revenue disparity. That really is just meant for you to not focus on that which scares him the most. If you don't have your ducks in a row, meaning your owners rowing the same way, you will lose control, not just of the ducks, but of the direction. So as we head toward the offseason, we're going to focus on that. What about some of the uh, predictions that I had for you? I gave you the Cy Young Award. I gave you the MVP. I wanted to mention a award that does not get a lot of attention, but it should. And it is the Rookie of the Year. We used to love winning Rookie of the Year. Absolutely loved it. And the reason we did is that it shows your fans that, hey, we've got good young players. Had a bunch of Rookies of the Year in my time. Always saying, even if we knew we couldn't sign him or could sign him or weren't going to sign him long term, but we had him now. And by definition, we've got him for years. Every rookie of the year is signed in theory for four more years minimum, depending on their qualifications when they win rookie of the year, how much service time they have. But as a general matter, every rookie of the year, every one of them is signed to a long term deal. If you don't have the exact amount, that's the only thing that is missing. They are your property and fans should learn to love them. The question in the National League is the player who we all wanted to be an all-star, the player who we all believe should be, could be rookie of the year, is not the favorite to win rookie of the year. And I'm talking about Ellie De La Cruz. It's Corbin Carroll, the person who you voted in to start the all-star game. Remember the guy who was on the microphone? During his at-bat with Nathan Avaldi a week ago? De La Cruz is a very hip rookie of the year choice because of what he's meant to the Reds, because of what he's meant to baseball. The people who vote for rookie of the year, they generally understand that it's someone who has helped your team win over a longer period of time in a more substantial way. Corbin Carroll pretty much fits that bid, doesn't he? If the Cincinnati Reds happen to win the Central and the Diamondbacks fade and fall behind the Padres and the Dodgers and the Giants and the Reds pull away from the Brewers, Cubs, Cards, there may be value there. Don't bet on it, but there may be. But it's fun when these teams do it. The Orioles are going to get a rookie of the year, too. Go watch their young catcher, Rutschman. But Gunnar Henderson, if you haven't watched him play, it's actually pretty insane what these young players are doing all on one team. It's pretty exciting. And it's part of our selling to you, the fan, where we're going, not where we are. That's the key. We're always selling where we're going. I got in trouble telling you about this. The whole Reinsdorf second place thing caused a big kerfuffle. 
But the reason why we love winning Rookie of the Year is we get to sell you the promise. Selling the promise is easier and better than selling the reality, than selling the failure, than selling the temporary success. We always want to sell you the promise. And there is no better manifestation of a promise than Rookie of the Year. That's why I always focus on that the most. So as you are navigating the second part of the MLB season, as you are listening to more mailbags and sit-downs and waiting for the trade deadline of August 1st, I want you to think to yourself, first, that was an entire show about baseball. Second, he didn't even talk about a movie or a pick of the day or anything. Third, does my team actually have a chance? Four, I didn't even laugh at one of the things he said. Five, am I in the room where it happens? It's just business. See you tomorrow, sort of. This is nothing personal.